Hey, good morning, everybody. We got something different for you today. We got a whole panel discussion with some of our leaders and staff members. And, um, you know, we're in this series called Unhurried, Slowing Down and Finding Life. Now, I don't know about you, but this has been one hard series to apply to my life. Is anybody else feeling that? Like, I thought, like, just starting the, new, starting the new year, I'd be like, all right, I'm starting a new year. I'm going to start everything. I'm going to kind of wipe the slate clean, my schedule. I'm going to redo it. About the third week of January, I, w- I felt like I was back to this busy kind of pace that, that I, I don't want to live in. And Jesus is who we're looking to, to really copy his pace, right? Like, we're, we're, we're moving at the pace of Jesus. And it's an interesting thing because, because moving at the pace of Jesus doesn't mean you don't work hard. It doesn't mean you don't, like, like, like Jesus worked hard. Like Jesus had long hours of, of engagement with people and, and a lot of stuff that he had to do. Uh, but, but he never overlooked someone. He didn't ever miss an opportunity that his father was putting in his path. And so I think all of us are struggling with how we um, make this work in our lives. We're trying, to, we're trying to take what Jesus said in Matthew 11, uh, 28 through 30, and it is, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's an unhurried nature to the way we want to live in following Jesus. And I think we've got to find better ways, better handles, things that we can hang on to, practices that we can accomplish. Now, um, we're we're talking about this idea from Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is a brilliant author, a brilliant theologian, and he actually said these words. He said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And we've also been kind of walking along with a a pastor named John Mark Comer, and he wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I highly recommend his book. I highly recommend that you uh, read that book because it has so many really good practices. We're gonna talk about some of those today. But here's here's the thing. Some of you might have seen this some of you might have seen this illustration. This is called Big Rocks. And Big Rocks is a, an exercise in figuring out what's most important in your life. And one of the things that every person has a challenge with is trying to fit everything in that they want to fit in. Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you as well. I've been fond of saying a little phrase, and it is, order determines capacity. In other words, if you get everything in order, something happens to your life. Jesus adds things to it that you never thought could be added. And people don't get this about the kingdom. They don't get this about who Jesus is and how he wants to add things to your life. But he wants you to seek first him and his kingdom, his righteousness. Make sure, that, and when we don't do that, we end up 
you know, this is sand, this is some little rocks, these are some big rocks, and you try to fit everything, this is your life right here, and you try to fit it all in, and you're, you're trying to push it all in, but if you put the wrong stuff in first, if you put in your Netflix binges first, ooh, did I, too close? Too soon? Listen, if you put in all your hobbies first, if you put in all your work first, if everything is about your career, if you do that first, if you're, no, if, you're, if you're prioritizing your life according to our 21st century American culture, very often you're going to end up feeling overfull. You're, I can't fit it all in. And it's weird how we do it. Like we try to, like this, this, if this is the Jesus rock, I'm like trying to get Jesus down in there, but I can't really do it every day. I'm just, I'm just, ah, my life always feels too full. And guess what gets left out? My quiet time in the morning. My time with God. Church. Just wanted to pause on that one for a second. So you, so you get, so... So here's what you got to do. You got to start putting the rocks in that matter the most. God, his word, conversation with him, prayer. You got to put some rocks in that are really important. Community of Christ with the church, with a small group, your marriage, your, your relationships that really matter, your family. You got to put in some some different things like everybody's got to work, right? Like, like, like we can't just not work. You got to work. So that's a pretty big rock. It's a pretty big time commitment. And we're just fitting it all in. And we're, but we're doing it according to seeking God first. And so as we put the, all these rocks in, I mean, and these are some good rocks too. Like there's some hobbies here. Like hobbies are awesome. And, and to f- have a fulfilled life, you want to, I mean, we live, in, we live in Austin. There's so many fun things to do here, right? Like we don't want to live in Austin and just miss it all, do we? No. no, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta go down to Zilker Park, and you gotta have fun, and you gotta do some stuff like that, because we want our lives to be fulfilled. And as you start putting it in, you're like, oh no, I don't, I don't know if, I, man, my life is too full now. I, I don't think I can put anything else in. I don't know what I can do about this. And it's like, Jesus has a way. Come on, He'll add a bunch of other things to your life that are actually pretty meaningful, and you'll end up with a full life but a full life that is abundant, that is full of the grace and mercy and peace of God. You'll end up feeling like your life is full, but you're doing the right things in the right way, at the right pace, at the right time. And you'll be watching for what God is doing all through your life, and look what happens. You'll even end up with some margin at the top. So, so I, some of you, most of you have seen this, be, this illustration before, but this is the problem. Like, this is the struggle. And we got to figure out how we do this. How do we slow down? How do we challenge ourselves and challenge one another to live at the pace of Jesus? And, and so I want to introduce the panel here in a second, but I wanted to frame the conversation we're about to have. And we wanted to, you to hear some more voices, but we also want you to be involved. So we have a text line that we're going to put up on the screen right here, and we want you to text your questions or your thoughts. And kind of the fundamental question is what, what, what gets you stuck? Like, where are you stuck in living unhurried? 
Where are you stuck? Where do you find that it just doesn't work? And we want to hear from you. We want you to ask some questions. And so uh, let's, uh, let's just take a minute. Uh, I guess Rob, Rob, Rob Stennett's going to uh, actually uh, mediate our panel here. So good luck with that, Rob. And, um, and so everybody welcome Rob Stennett. Yeah. All right. So what I want you to do is that number right up there, completely anonymous. You can text your question. If you don't text questions, we're just going to stare at each other for the next 20 minutes. It's going to be really <laughs> awkward. And so text your questions right up there. And while you're texting those questions in, uh, let's have our panel go ahead and introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Misty Parsley. Um, ah, thanks, guys. Uh, my husband and I, we work with the youth here in Austin um, and also the young adults on Monday night. I'm Ross Parsley. I'm the lead pastor at One Chapel, along with my wife, Amy, right over there. Hey, my name is David Campos. I am the campus pastor. Yeah, come on. Appreciate you, everybody. Love you. Love you back. Love each and every one of you back. Don't feel bad. You guys screaming in your living rooms. Love you, too. Campus pastor for Kyle Community. This is my beautiful wife right there. She makes it all happen as well. And I have to follow that. Well, I'm Lori Catone. I love it. You have to follow that. And I am the missions pastor, and I uh, connect with all of our global and our local missions and uh, get us more connected and involved with them. It's not a competition, Brent. You're okay. You're, you're, you are just valuable and precious, just like you are. My name is Brent. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Brent Parsley, and uh, I am the next-gen pastor, and I'm currently uh, the kids' pastor here in Austin and Kyle, and we are having a blast up there. It's amazing. Your kids are great. That's right. That's right. All right. First question is this, um, and some of your questions are, wow, you need to come up for prayer. Uh, (laughs) All right, first question is this. I find it difficult to reckon with how productive some of my peers, but in particular, my grandparents seem to be. How did they find to do all the times or all the things they did? They just did more, but never seemed to be rushed, hurried, stressed, or exhausted. So how are our grandparents, or even if you're looking at other peers, so productive? What comes to mind? Panel, go. I can tell you what, sorry. I should, I should let ladies go first. Go ahead, Misty. Go, Misty. Um, I actually relate to this, I think. I, during this whole series, I, the Lord just spoke this scripture to me, and it was the, um, the, par- the parable of the talents and how he gave one guy five talents. He gave the next one two or however many. You know the story, however two many he had. Two and then one. Two and then one. Thanks. It's good. Thanks, dog. It's awesome. Um, and anyway, and I was in this, I, my husband and I, we own a business. We've got two kids. We've got a 10-month-old and a two-year-old, and so... Our life is hectic and crazy all the time. Um, but right around the beginning of this series, we, our business took a hit. Some bad stuff happened. Anyway, uh, we lost a ton of money. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have so much work to do. It's Christmas time. There's kids. Ah, crazy. Church, all this stuff. And I was just, he just reminded me of the scripture. He's like, and, I, you know, he gives each person a certain amount. And I think a lot of times we compare it to each other. We think, like, well, Ross can do all this stuff, but I'm over here, I'm like dying and drowning. But really, I'm just a two-talent kind of guy, you know? Like, we're not all five-talent people, and that's okay. 
Yeah. And that's why the Bible says don't compare yourself by yourself because the reality is he gives people different abilities. And where we find rest and where, where the Lord spoke to me about this was I found rest in the fact that, okay, today my kid's only gonna eat Oreos and it's gonna be okay because I'm gonna trust God that he's gonna take care of her and make her grow and be fine. Like, that's all I have for that day. And we have to take it day by day. And it's okay, right? Like, forget it. You can't make it all work out anyway. So do the best you can. Do what God has given you the ability to do and leave the rest up to him. So good. Really good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so the the thing that the grandparents have to deal with is social media and everything online. So so you you are a a two-talent or a one talent person, and that's okay. Like, we all want to go, oh, one, one talent. But no, it's okay. Right. It's all right that you're that, but you're looking at everybody else thinking, oh, they're, they're 10 talent, five talent. They're, they have so much more than me because we just scroll all day and see it. And so our grandparents never had to deal with that, never had to deal with that kind of comparison, never had to deal with the time, life-sucking flow of social media and everything online, which is another reason why they were so very productive. So, so one key is just shut it down a little bit. Take a break, man. Stop comparing yourself. We all know the comparison is terrible, and we always lose when we compare because we either think we're better than them, so we're prideful, or we think we're a lowly worm, so now we're insecure. You always lose. And so take a week off of social media. Don't worry. Stop comparing. Just be okay. Jesus created you. God created you the way you are. You're okay. Can I, can I say one more thing about yes, that? Sir. I also think that the pace of life was slower during certain periods. So in the summer uh, and, and the fall, there was a lot, there was harvest and there was a lot of busyness and a lot of making stuff happen. And then during the winter, the, the days were, were uh, um, shorter <laughs> and darker. And so it was just a slower pace. We don't seem to have the kind of rhythms that we used to have. And I think this is what we have to recapture. And one of the ways that you recapture rhythms in your life is you start using the Sabbath as a day to just shut everything down. And the problem is we don't shut everything down ever. And so, and so my, my grandpa was a hard-working man. Like, he did stuff all day. He got up at 5 a.m. every day, cooked breakfast, and was, you know, went to bed at 9. But, um, but there... But, and so, and, so, and so he had practices that gave him rhythms, though, and his work, because it was a, a, agrarian, had rhythms. You and I have to put some rhythms into our life. Six and one, six and one, six and one. And it's really five and two, by the way, because all of you work. You know, mo- most of you don't farm, so you got five days at work and one day to work at home because we don't want you to, you know, not work at home and live in squalor, and then and then and then you have a day of just everything is down. That's the Bible. That's the biblical way that we have to practice it. All right. Next question is this: um, I want to be unhurried, but there just isn't enough money to sustain my family without working two jobs and juggling kids at home. So think about that for a moment. This person also said, "Brent has the coolest glasses on the panel. He stands above." <laughs> I would like to point out Brent has the only glasses on the panel. <laughs> That's an unnecessary detail. It's fine. But uh, you look great, Brent. Okay, so I want to be unhurried, but there's just not enough money to sustain my family. Like, how do you deal with that? Like, I think that's a real, mm-hmm. where the rubber meets the road point. in this sort of series. Well, 
Um, <laughs> that's right up our alley. So um, we've experienced, I mean, we, we are homeowners, uh, homeowners, business owners. So uh, over the years, uh, for those of you, we had this conversation yesterday. If you own a business, sometimes it's feast or famine, feast or famine. And uh, there's been times that, um, that my husband has worked two or three jobs, um, and we have to step back and say, okay, this is a season. You know, sometimes there's a season where, where, where something has to happen extra, but just remember, it is a season. Don't get stuck in it and, and then pull back. Um, so, so that's always something to remember. Um, but this Sabbath thing is so key no matter what season you're in. It doesn't matter what season you're in. You have to have the Sabbath, I've learned. And when we've worked and worked ourselves silly for seven days, for weeks and months, um, then we start to have issues and fights, and the kids are doing everything wrong, and uh, everything just goes downhill. But I think it's very, uh, it's very important to remember that there are seasons um, that are busier, and then and you have to remember to cut that short and come back. That's, that's good. I, I, I can, I can absolutely relate with some of that. Um, we've, we've been business owners. I've worked with people, worked for people, worked for myself. And, and there have definitely been times in our lives where um, there was a fluctuation of income. And I think, I think sometimes we separate the, the financial aspect from everything else when we talk about priorities, when we, when we talk about uh, organizing our lives and really prioritizing our lives the way God has called us to. There is, there is a priority. There, there is an order that God has called us to in our financial, in, in, the, our, in, the, in our finances as well. Excuse me. And so, so I think sometimes, just like in life, we have to step back and look at, okay, God, you've given me this much. And, and there, that you can make this enough. But I have to prioritize what you've given me to, to honor you and as you've called me to do it. Um, and so as, as we do that, as we just kind of step back from, step, step back away from everything that we, that we are spending our money on because we're talking about finances, I think God starts to give us understanding. God gives us wisdom. God gives us faith. Uh, I said this uh, a couple weeks ago that we can't, we can't, eliminate the supernatural aspect of what we've been talking about of living an unhurried life and that's that margin that 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 pastor ross just talked about there, there's god wants to move supernaturally in our lives not just in our finances not just in our health but in every aspect of our life and so as we as we prioritize our lives in the way that god has called us to he then becomes in us enough and and i think as people of faith Right? People of faith, that's who we are. Yes. The act of, there's a tendency to treat all these rocks and all this sand as separate things yes. that you've got to put together. No, it's all faith. This whole life has faith attached to it. And once we try to separate the sacred and the secular, or we, we separate finances from our spiritual life, it doesn't work. Right. We, we are people of faith, so we practice rhythms and we practice a, a way of trusting God and one of the ways we practice I, I can tell you my wife and I have lived it all our lives is 
Tithing is a step of faith. I know it's sticky. Like for me to even bring it up, it's like, ah, you don't understand what the question just was. Actually, I do. I get it. I've never had everything I wanted. But I've always somehow found that Jesus provided what I needed. So if you don't know how to practice giving to church or others or just being generous, if you don't know how to do that, training wheels for generosity is tithing. Tithing is taking a percentage, and I want everybody here to be a percentage giver because I think it's a practice that says, okay, God, I'm making this much money. I'm doing this with my job, my career, and I have to trust you for the rest, so I'm gonna trust you by this step of faith, and I'm gonna give. And start with 1%, 1%, then go to 2% the next month, 3% the next month. By the time you end up 10 months later, not only will your finances be changed, but your heart will be changed. Your confidence in who God is for you, but it, there is no way around these kinds of steps of faith, even though it's so hard to take them. It's good. Okay, next question is this. I feel like a full-time chauffeur for my teenagers. With that that plus a full-time job, it's really hard to make the decision to do a group at church because I'm just exhausted, and I just want downtime on the few days that I'm not driving my kids all over creation, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Did you write this, Rob? Is this from you? Whoever you are, let's talk after church. Uh, I actually have a business idea, which is called Uber Kids. Oh, God, no, I would never do that. And it would be preschool drivers who drive your kids around, who are like safe drivers, who just drive your kids and pick them up. And I sing think songs while yeah, they're driving. Exactly, yeah, super happy. Now, actually, I do have a thought. I want to answer this one real quick, which is, I think as parents, our impulse is like, I do, I put every, like my big rocks are my kids and my little rocks are the sand as myself. But what happens is we end up putting all of our energy and effort into our kids and we're not taking care of our own spiritual lives. And if you've ever flown on a plane, they tell you to do something, which is like, hey, in case of emergency, take the oxygen mask and put it on your kids first and then put it on yourself. Is that what they say? No, but that's what we want to do. Like, oxygen to our kids first, that's what we do. That's not what they say. They're like, you have to put your oxygen mask on first because if you pass out, there's going to be no one there to help your kids. And parents, I'm looking you in the eyes and saying, like, if you are not taking care of your spiritual life, your kids are not going to take care of their spiritual life. Amen. They're going to model what you do. And so I feel the chauffeur thing. I feel how how busy life is, and it may be time to pull something back. Because it's like, okay, do I want to do ballet or do I want to teach my kids to like love Jesus forever? And I love ballet. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love (laughs) extracurricular stuff. That stuff is important. I'm not downing it, but I'm saying if you make those big rocks first, I talked to a parent recently and it's like, man, my kid is like going through all this trouble, feeling really beat up at school, just really negative. And I'm like, man, you need to get him around tag, get him like around other kids who are speaking life into him. And he said, there's, there's just no time. We have pizza night on Wednesday and we have sports games, that sort of stuff. And I was like, okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that God is the least important thing for your child. Is that what you're saying to me? And, you know, I threw a fastball, but I think that's how we have to look at it. Like, okay, are we serious about this? Do we believe this? Or is it just kind of nice things that we say and do? 
Well, and, we, I, and I think it's ahead. easy to justify some of those things because, like, if, if you look at it from a sports aspect, you're like, well, my kid is actually talented. Like, this can pay off. This can pay off to, to a, a, you know, a full ride in college, and this could be his career. Your retirement. But, but, yeah, this guy could take care of me. This kid, my daughter my son could take care of me in 20 years. I have to do nothing. But, but I, I think that's so true, and I love that statement. What, what are you teaching? What's the bottom line, and what are you really saying? Is, is this more important than your relationship with Christ? Mm. And the reality of it is, all those things, all those things fade away. All those things pass away. One, one injury will, will end a sports career. But, but our relationship with Christ is foundational. It'll last forever. And so, again, the big rocks, prioritizing that and actually helping our kids and having those tough conversations like, look, listen, I know, I know you love this or that or ballet or football or baseball or soccer or art or whatever it is. I know you love this, but we're, we're going we're gonna to be a family who sets priorities, and Christ is always going to be the priority. We had five kids, so sometimes we'd have to say, all right, only two of you get to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's true, and then, the, and then the, the other two lined up after, and, and the next semester they got to play, and the next season the other, you know, and they have different ages, and so it penalizes different ones at different times. But listen, you know what that teaches them? There are limits. Yes. Our kids have limits, and they need to learn that they have limits, but most of our parenting has to, be, has to revolve around our understanding of our limits. You want to talk about that? I think that was great. All right, next question is this. I think this is a great question. Thank you, Brent. <laughs> I'm here all day. How do I prioritize who I spend time with, balancing long-term important relationships with family and inner circle friends, or new relationships where evangelism and reaching new people are possible? If I only have a few hours a week to be with people socially, do I go deep or do I go wide? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say both, right? Um, Jesus but, did. But you can't, you can't have deep with everybody, obviously. Jesus was God, and he had 12 people, right? Um, so I love what we say uh, around here. We say walk slowly through the crowd. And that means that as I walk through the crowd of people, I can touch everybody, uh, even if I just see him, I see Daniel, and I lock eyes with you, and I smile at you, you know. But then Carla comes up and says hi to me, and so I get to give her a hug. So we're touching people um, no matter how we feel like if it's deep or not, we're still touching people because people just want to be seen. They just want to be heard. They just want to know that they matter. And so it's real important that we slow down for our sake, but also for other people's sake. And then ask the Lord, who have you put in my life to go deep? Because it's really up to him. It's really up to him, right? All through the years of student ministry, we would always talk about like concentric circles of friends in your life. So at the middle, there's the core, right? If you can kind of picture it, there's the core, and that's maybe the three or four that are really close to you. They know what's going on in your life. They know about you. They know your issues. They'll call you on the carpet. They're the friends that you love and love to hate because they're the real, right? They know all the stuff. And so there's the core, and then there's another circle outside of that that's more like the, you know, kind of committed, like I, I, we're, we're friends, we're acquaintances, like I, I know you, and we hang out a little bit. And, and then there's a third circle around that, around those two circles, that's kind of the crowd, 
These are people that are on the periphery. These are people that are out there. These are the people I'm going out to reach, right? And the time kind of coincides, the time you spend with them kind of coincides with those circles. So the court, you gotta have people that are close to you and you spend the most time with them. Why? Because you become like the people you spend the most time with. It's true. And so you spend the most time with them. You're formed, it's formation, becoming more like Jesus. But, and then you spend the, uh, the next amount of time with the, another circle and then and probably the least amount of time ends up with kind of the crowd, but that's when you're going out to reach. Does that make sense? Are you with me? You can't really see it visually, but I think that's, that may really be helpful for you in this circumstance. It's really good. I wrote one or two more questions. I like this one. We love the concept of taking a day to rest, Sabbath, but never seem to follow through. Any practical tips on how to practice Sabbath and stick to it? Yes. You have to prepare. You won't take a Sabbath unless you work really hard to take the Sabbath. That's right. So, That's right. so what our family, we've been trying to practice this for uh, several years now. Since, uh, I don't know, it's probably, uh, it's probably since we moved here, uh, we've been practicing this a little before. And we don't always get it right. And frankly, for the past two years, we've failed miserably because it just kind of feels like every day is Sabbath. I know it's like the, every day there's nothing going on. So I don't know what to do. But, but Ooh, you're living the good life, dog. <laughs> <laughs> they just all run together is what I mean. And so, so we always prepare. So on Friday, Friday is chore day. Friday is we're going to clean the house. Friday is we're going to do the laundry. Friday is we're going to go grocery shopping. Friday is we're going to get all the things done so that at 6 p.m., as the sun's going down, we are ready to turn it off. We're ready to turn things off. We're ready to try to put phones away. We're, we're ready to Sabbath for the next 24 hours and pick it up again on Saturday at 6 p.m. So I'm just telling you, unless you were, and it's hard. Friday's hard. Friday's like hard work. You kind of run into Sabbath exhausted because you're trying to prepare for it. But if you don't, if you leave the dishes and you're like, nah, well, well, we'll do it later. No, now you're interrupting the Sabbath. Well, I got to wash clothes because I got to look really good on Sunday. No, you, you don't want to do that. You got to get that all done. You got to work really hard. Make plans, have a strategy, work really hard to prepare, and it'll help you a lot more to be consistent that Sabbath. That's great. That's really good. That's good. Can I say some, one yeah. thing about that? You know, Sunday's always coming for a pastor. <laughs> It comes around with alarming regularity, actually. <laughs> and you get, you want to be ready for Sunday. And I find that in my life, I would, in my earlier season as a pastor, I'd end up on Friday not finished with the stuff that I needed to be ready for on Sunday. So I would, so I would either kill Saturday, because I, I wouldn't, um, or I'd, and I'd, and I'd just work on Saturday. And I, I never was good at getting everything done so that when, when Sunday came, I was, I was ready and Friday I could just rest. Well, I started, or Saturday I could just rest. Sorry, Friday is kind of the work day at the home. So what I, what I really started doing early on was I'd work as hard as I could during the week, but then something would happen. And Jesus said, even when, you know, Sabbath, you can go... Um, Take care of something if you have to. You, if your donkey's in the ditch, you go get the donkey. That's what Jesus said, all right? None of you have donkeys, but you have other things that go into the ditch. So, you, so, so what happened was I wouldn't be finished with my message. <laughs> Some of you are like, I could tell. <laughs> I wouldn't be finished with the message, but I would trust that God 
would put it all together for me when I came back to it on Sunday night, or sorry, Saturday night at 6 p.m. So I'd practice Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday night at 6 p.m. And I found that the obedience and faith that is involved in that surprisingly worked out so well. Now, do I want it done by, by Friday uh, at 6 p.m.? Yes. Do I want it actually done by Thursday at 6 p.m. so I can be with my family on Friday and then and work on the house and do all that stuff? Yes. But when I don't, I, I practiced trusting God and I found that he filled in the gaps for me so I didn't look like an idiot on Sunday. <laughs> and if I can add one more thing to that, that it's like a muscle, everybody. Yeah. Like, it's really you, hard you to do. You practice it and it works. You, you shut it all down and you're like, hey, I'm going to Sabbath. And then you feel like, oh, but I really need to do this. But I got to get back to the message. But I got to make this happen. And, and Ross is right. As you practice it, you realize, oh, my goodness, God really is coming through and taking care of those things Absolutely. that I thought were going to fall apart. And, and you also realize through Sabbath, you're not nearly as important as you think you are. Yeah, amen. <laughs> And it's really one of the added benefits that really kind of stinks, but you're grateful for it later. Yeah. And so uh, it's a muscle, and you just, pra- you just decide, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. or whatever you decide. I'm going to do it. And, and the, first, the first while, you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. I feel odd. I feel like I should be. I feel pressure. I feel a little anxiety. This seems like the opposite of what I'm supposed to get from this. Yeah. But as you keep doing it, you realize God comes through. You realize I'm not that important. You realize it's all gonna be okay. You realize I'm with my family and those relationships are growing. You begin to realize it. And I'm, I promise you that muscle gets stronger and stronger and you don't have the same anxiety as you go into it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so you hear, just practice. Do you hear what Brent's saying? It gets harder before it gets better. Yes, that's exactly so right. It's, so that's okay. And, and you wanna quit. I, I wanna quit. I, this doesn't work. This isn't right. But stay at it. Yeah. Okay, just a little bit of time left. Uh, next question. Rob, do you love Jesus? <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, <laughs> next question. You know, I'm thankful to have that resolved personally, though, because that's that was, been a that was, uh, I, I, it's been a concern. Next question. I like this one. Uh, what would your advice be for next-gen students that are graduating high school or college and have so many new and sometimes overwhelming decisions to make? All right, that's the end of the panel today. <laughs> I guess I'll answer that. Um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm old now. I'm 34. Whoa. I know, it's crazy. Where's your cane? Lived a lot. <laughs> um, but I remember going through this stage, like right after, you just don't, you're not really developed entirely yet. And you can't, it's really hard to juggle everything. Um, and it's hard to figure out, like you have all this, I gotta be this, I gotta do that, I gotta go, go, go. You have all these expectations that the world puts on you, that you put on you, that, you know, whatever. Um, and it becomes overwhelming, I think. Um, and so you get, you get out of high school and you're like, ah, what's next? And then you go to college, you're like, okay, I have some structure, this is okay, I can do that. And then you get out of college, you're like, ah, oh, what do I do now? <laughs> Whew, I'm glad I didn't say something there. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to say anything. <laughs> Not the real one, guys. Come on. Um, but you get to this place, and it's just like, you just, it's just overwhelming, and it's just so much, right? And w- really where it comes down to is that foundation of who you are in God and knowing that and knowing who you are. And like, I had this moment with my daughter the other day. Georgia May, she's two years old. She, I tell her all the time that I love her, that I believe in her, and I tell her all these good things, right? And she's just like, blah, 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 blah. like she's crazy. She's like me. She's like wild. You're going everywhere, running around. But the other day, I grabbed her face and I just said, "Look at me. 
and said, you are amazing. And I just started speaking life into her. And I'm not kidding. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. But her face lit up and she was just smiling and she was just looking at me and just like taking it all in. And then this like whole week, she said, mama, look at me, look at me. And she just stops. And then she just, she grabs my face and she just waits. She doesn't say anything. She just waits for me to tell her things. Like she loves it so much. But I'm instilling in her like, this is who you are. This is what I, I believe in you and I, I love you. And, and really, I think we need to have that with God. You need to have those moments where you stop and he grabs your face and he tells you all the things that you are. Um, and when you have that, those other things don't look so scary and so big anymore. You can, you can conquer those things because you know who you are in God and you have that foundation and you know he's got your back no matter what. I don't know so if that good. answers that question. Did it? Can I, yeah, cool. can I add just one little thing to that too? Coming from the parents' perspective, um, I have four grown sons and um, as they were getting older and getting to that stage of growing up and moving out, um, you know, Michael and I both graduated college. All my brothers graduated college. This is what we do. You go to college. And so you're going to college. Like, I don't know how we're going to pay for it, but you're going to college. <laughs> and Two of, them, two of them got their GD, you know. They didn't even really walk the stage of high school. And so we had to step back and go, okay, whoa, what is God's plan for them and what is our plan for them? And so we had to step back. This is just, I mean, what, I don't know if y'all hear it, but there's this thread moving through here is trusting God, trusting God with your kids. And to me, whoo, that's a big one, right? Trusting God with your kids. Like, well, wait a minute, you can have me, but my kids. And so that's a big trust. And we're letting go of our children. I don't know if y'all know this, but we're letting go of them from the moment that they leave the womb. Little by little, we're letting go. And then by the time they get to where they're 17, 18, and they're stepping out the door, that's the big let go, right? Um, But we should be giving them to the Lord from the moment, actually, they're in the womb. We're giving them to the Lord, right? And so to not be afraid, oh my gosh, he's not going to graduate high school and now he's not going to go to college and all my plans are gone. They're just gone. He's going to be drunk and he's going to be on the, no, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) We can, I mean, can anybody relate as a parent? Like we can go downhill pretty fast when it comes to our children. We think the worst is going to happen, but we have to trust God. And I'm here to tell you, from experience, even when the worst happens, yep. God is still good. Yeah. And he is still there. And as a parent, I don't care if your kid's 44 or four years old. We have to keep doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. We have to keep saying you are beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And God loves you. Yeah. So good. And he has a plan and a purpose so for you. You know what? The, that's so true. And not every decision is like the end of the world decision. <laughs> yeah. Just keep that in mind. So good. So there are a couple really important decisions. Are you gonna follow Jesus the rest of your life? That's an important decision. That's the most important decision. The second one is probably, who am I gonna spend the rest of my life with? How's that gonna work? Who am I gonna get married to? That's gonna determine a lot for the direction of your life. Outside of that, I've heard Ross say for years that God has an infinite number of ways of responding to the decisions that we make. So, So is God saying, you have to go to this college. I don't know how you're going to make it if you don't figure out that I'm trying to get you into this college. Yeah. I don't know. Are you going to do God's not doing that. <laughs> He's not that worried about it. 
And don't underestimate the power of stopping and asking God what he wants you to do. And spending a few days praying and fasting and asking him what he wants you to do. Trust the people in your life, like Misty and Zach and your leaders. Trust your parents. Trust people who are speaking into you. He's going to help. He's going to use them to help guide and lead you. But take a little pressure off. Take a little pressure off. You're going to be okay. The problem that we're all facing is we live in a culture that doesn't value some of the things we're talking about. So we get sucked in, we kind of start drowning, and we start to uh, take on the expectations of our culture. And not everything in our culture is good. I don't know if you've noticed. But there there is a need for us to decide who we are as God's people. As followers of Jesus, we walk by faith, the Bible says, and not by what we see going on around us. That means we're going to have to reevaluate. Just like Lori was talking about, oh, we just thought our kids need to go to college and we just need, oh, that, she started to peel that away and trust God in a different way. I mean, let's be honest, sometimes it's college that makes you broke. Okay, so, so there's, <laughs> That was supposed to be funny, but it's not. So, so what you got to do, you, what we all have to do, whether no matter if we're teenagers or we're older, we have to see the way the culture is influencing us, identify it, evaluate it, and then line it up against the scripture, line it up against the words of Jesus, line it up against the, the way that Jesus is asking you to live your life, and, and will there be scary moments? Absolutely, because life of faith is risk. Life of faith is adventure. Life of faith, we're not always convinced, thus the faith, the leap. And I want to challenge all of us to hang on to practices that will help us do this. Practices, spiritual disciplines, community in the body of Christ, small group, connecting with people who can help you, right? Walk this path, follow Jesus, getting the scriptures inside of you. There's something called the daily Bible reading. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's awesome. There's something about having a conversation with God every day. There's something about coming to church in a routine and rhythmic way and participating in what this larger group is doing in a city. It's important to do things like serve people who you don't even know, like we did yesterday with about 50 people. And we're just pouring out our hearts because that's what we do. This is our practice. This is, these are our habits. And we've got to identify those practices and hang on to them. And I want you to pray over you here as we leave. I want to pray over you, and I want to ask Jesus to help you, each of us, identify those practices. Where do you need to change? What are the rhythms you need to adopt? What are the ways God is identifying right here in this place? And you can sense it. It's like, oh, maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's about the, the crew you're hanging around with, right? And what their influence is on you, and you need to change that. Maybe, maybe it's about your finances. Maybe it's just about really practicing a Sabbath, even though it seems like the hardest thing I want to pray with you right now. So close your eyes, bow your head, and let's pray together.
We are people of faith. And so we ask God for help. We are people of faith, and so we look to God for his solutions in our broken world. We are people of faith, so we actually take steps of faith to do things that are very countercultural and trust that God will do something beyond our ability, beyond our capacity to do it on our own. And so, Lord, we ask you right here, right now, we take a moment and we say, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us about what we've been talking about. Speak to us about our practices, our, our habits. Teach us about disciplines. Help us to live our lives in a way that honors you first, that looks to you first for your solutions. Help us, Lord, to give our hearts to you first and then begin to adopt the ways of Jesus. I pray that every person in here would be able to do three things. Number one, that they would be with Jesus every day. Just be with him. Experience him. Talk to him. Include him in their lives, in their conversation, in their, in their dialogue. I pray, number two, that they would work on ways to become like Jesus. Allow the work of your spirit in them. Allow for a small group of people around them to help them begin to become like Jesus as they love each other and take care of each other. And then third, I pray that you would help every person in this room to begin to do what Jesus did. <laughs> Be interrupted without freaking out. <laughs> Have moments of inspiration and where heaven came to earth with healing because Jesus stopped for prayer. That they would begin to do what Jesus did and notice that people who are in need all around them and not be self-consumed, but to be consumed with the broken people of the world because we're like Jesus. I pray that we would become these people of faith, that these practices that you've given us, give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the wisdom, give us the grace to do it. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, Amen.